0: We'd like to welcome you to the microgreen classes, uh, day one and then two. This is going to be the start. So um, just to introduce ourselves, um, we are Michelle and Robert Sullivan. And um, we have been growing microgreens commercially for a couple of years now. And um, we're just glad, happy that you guys have chosen to register and to be here today to be part of this uh, seminar.
1: Yeah, we're just really sorry we weren't able to actually be there in person. We really wanted to be there in person. Mm. Um, But, you know, we were expecting that the US-UK travel ban would have been lifted, I think, 31st of December, but it didn't happen from what we could see. So uh, we were unable to attend and then the UK is currently in lockdown. Um, with all restaurants closed again and nobody's allowed to go out. So we're at home. <laughs> so uh, where you usually find us anyway is at home. But um, thanks to technology, we're actually able to still be there mm-hmm. and to be, be able to present. And um, it's great because obviously the, the we assume that some people would have registered for this course. And so it's great that we're able to still be able to give you the information that you want even though we're not there. And I do believe that at the end, um, if the technology doesn't fail us, um, we've been told that there should be a question and answer session right at the end of the second day, I believe.
0: So the first question um, that we just wanted to tackle is what are microgreens, actually two questions, what are microgreens and the other question is Why why, why grow them? You know, I mean, there's a million things you can be growing. Why uh, microgreens? So, um, what are microgreens?
1: Well, microgreens, as you can see, they're quite. Sp- oh, just pulled these out. <laughs> Planning for the whole root to come out, but hey. Um, microgreens, these really are pretty much ready to harvest. Mm. But you see, we just grow them to the cotyledon stage. Um, everything that this plant needed to get its life going was actually found within the seed and you'll notice that when we get to the section on on soil um, we talk about that, we talk about the fact that you know, you don't need any nutrients in the soil because everything is contained within the seed to get it at least to this stage mm-hmm. and then we actually come along and we harvest probably about here and that's your microgreens And so from what we understand is that I know um, there's been much research out there about microgreens. And some people, they use them as superfoods because they are supposed to be 40, 40 times more nutritious than the mature plant. So that's a power pack of nutrients that you can add to your plate. And so um, it's not caught on as a superfood as much in the UK, to be quite honest with you. Mm. It's more a case of um, the chefs use it a lot as a garnish. Mm. And, um, And that's really been our revenue stream, has been from the restaurants and the chefs. Because it's not really seen as a superfood as much over here, that it takes some kind of education. However... Um, When we, um, when the lockdown happened and all the restaurants had to close, we weren't sure whether, what was going to happen with our microgreen sales because we grow microgreens 365 days of the year, whereas we only grow in the field for the season, which is really from about May. Um, Well, we have, we don't have sun in our field from October when the clocks go back until the clocks go forward. Um, because of the the way that the land is here, and with the forest that's behind us casts a shadow on our field, and so we um, weren't sure what we were going to do because it was, you know, the winter time, and that was our main source of income at the time. However, um, God opened the way for our veg boxes. Um, we, we started an out-of-season veg box service, and we added the microgreens that we were growing to our product list. And our consumer customers or the retail customers started buying microgreens, which was quite interesting. So um there are some people out there that do understand it as a super green or a superfood, as a, a super green, superfood, whatever. And so that they have been ordering these sort of 30 gram packets of microgreens. Um along with their veg boxes. And so I assume they're putting it with their salads and putting on their sandwiches and things like that, which has been a blessing. But what it's meant is that because of COVID and the lockdown, we've had to scale down our growing. So we don't grow as much microgreens anymore. But anyway, this is them. This is a microgreen, 40 times more nutritious. And um, yeah, that's it really.
0: Mm. And so, why grow them? Um, they're an easy way into the market, a quick way into the whole ag-growing ag lifestyle, you know, that we read about and that we aspire to, um, that we find in um, the writings of Ellen White, talking about this sort of agricultural lifestyle. Well, you know, if you've you're got still, a farm, you're
1: still walking, working,
0: mm-hmm. You're still working in the soil. You're still working in the soil, and if you've got a farm, it's fine. You can be out there. Um, you know, 24 hours if you want to, and uh, you can be farming. But if you haven't got a farm, maybe, um, but you just have small space inside your house, you can start growing. It's a start, and it's mm-hmm. a start. It's a means to an end. So it's not the main thing. Uh, the main thing is getting out mm-hmm. there uh, in the soil. But it's a it's a means to an end. It's just part of the pathway, mm-hmm. and it's a good way of drumming up some revenue. Um, you don't have to put too much in, and you don't have to um, start with too much investment. Um, you can really start, I mean, we started it, and we'll show you a picture. We started growing in literally, which was like a little side cupboard room. I'll um, see if
1: I can put a picture into this video. It wasn't
0: even a room. It was a like a. It's like a porch, porch area. area. Didn't yeah. have any
1: heating or no, anything. No,
0: and that's where we started because that's the, all we had. We didn't even have any lights or anything like that. We just had like a lamp.
1: It was it was a normal a, lamp. It was a lamp that was one bulb, mm. a clip sort of lamp with one bulb. But that one bulb was um, six thousand five hundred kelvins, wasn't mm. it? It's was daylight. It was and a that's daylight bulb.
0: That's what we used to, to grow with. So it's a quick way into the market and it's a good way just to you know get the idea of growing and, and things like that. And also, potentially, it's a good way to um, drum up customers, which later on, once you get more and more established, those customers you can then turn to more of the growing that you're going to be doing out in the field because uh, you've already got a customer base from the microgreens. Yeah,
1: it can work both ways, really. If you've already got a customer base mm. from your field then it's just another product line. Yeah. Whereas for us, it kind of happened sort of the other way around because um, we weren't fully established in the farm outside as yet. Um, and we'd just come out of season and we needed to continue to create revenue. And so we just took it to the Lord and the Lord made it. it was a, it's really a testimony that we'd have to share probably another time. But... It was amazing how God opened the way and pointed us in the direction of growing microgreens. And literally from the moment that he did that, mm. I can share ever so slightly. And, and long story short, the Lord had pointed us to a wholesale uh, guy, customer. customer, and we ended up walking away with a £2,000 per month. Um, micro-green. microgreen contract, so so to speak, but we didn't even have the space to grow that much microgreens, and that again is just another testimony for another time, how God then supplied the funds for us to be able to scale up from hardly anything to a massive room filled with everything, mm. and so um, it was it was all His doing. We couldn't have done it by ourselves.
0: So in this section we're just going to be talking about microgreen seeds um, as in what varieties we grow and um, also the seeding densities, the amount of grams per tray and also how long it would take to germinate once you've put it on the side here. So we actually grow quite a lot of microgreens so I'm just going to go from top to bottom and like I said before this has been sort of trial and error. Um, depending on, as I said, the warmth uh, of your room, size of the room, ventilation, da 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 da, all these things, humidity, all these things do make a difference. But anyway, rocket. And yes, I did say rocket. <laughs> um, eight grams per tray. And that will take about two to three days to germinate.
1: It's Aragula.
0: For some people, <laughs> Aragula, there's no such thing. It's actually rocket. Anyway, um, yeah, eight grams and it'll take about two to three days germination. Broccoli rab, there's a difference between broccoli and broccoli rab, but anyway, broccoli rab is about 10 grams. Some you may want to pull back to nine grams, but about 10 grams and that's two to three days germination. Basil is Five grams. It's very, very fine. You hardly put any seeds on the tray at all. Five grams. And really you're looking at best part of a week. It does take quite a long time to germinate. Coriander is um thirty grams. You put cilantro. Coriander <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as cilantro. But anyway, in it's actually UK. in the UK and the rest of the world. No, no, no. It's called car- coriander. Um, C O. Riander. 30 grams. So, again, that's quite a lot. And uh, coriander, again, takes a good week, sometimes 10 days. It's quite slow. Um, sunflower seeds, 75 grams per tray. Again, quite a lot. Um, spread all over spread evenly 75 grams and um, again will germinate probably in about a week five to seven days Um, pea shoots 150 grams it's quite a lot again that's 150 grams and then you would need to soak the peas as a matter of fact yeah i'll tell you the different little variants as well because with the peas you do soak pre-soak them some people don't Um, there's a whole big discussion, should you or should you not. Anyway, we found in our trials that when we soak them, you get bigger yields. So we soak them. So um, 150 grams of dried seed, soak them, then put them overnight, soaked, then put them over the trays. Again, that will take a good um, three or four days to germinate. Red cabbage, 10 grams per tray, Uh, two to three days germination Um, rambo radish and china rose radish which is we did the china rose there Um, again both of them about 30 to 35 grams Um, I think I put about 33 grams but about 30 to 35 grams and again two to three days for germination Um, what else we got Um, curly cress 10 grams takes about two days it's very very quick curly cress is very very quick Red mustard frills, six grams, not a lot. Um, but again, it takes about three to five days to germinate. Okay, the next one is nasturtium. That takes 50 grams of seed, and that's dry seed, which you then soak, just like the peas. And actually, I forgot to say, um, sunflower seed as well. We said 75 grams of sunflower seed. You soak it before you seed it. Um, so nasturtium, 50 grams of dried seed, soak it overnight i just soak it for a couple of hours um drain it and then apply that um purple shiso is five grams again hardly any seed but purple shiso the thing with that is that you actually um you put your first layer of soil on your tray then you put your seeds And then you put another layer of thin soil on top. Just a very, very thin layer on top. That's for purple shiso. Um, Actually, it's not for purple shiso. I just got confused because I've got two the same round. It's not purple shiso. It's actually lemon balm. Lemon balm is five grams. Let me do lemon balm first. Okay, lemon balm takes um, five grams of seed. So that's not a lot of seed. Put that on the soil. And then you take a small amount of soil and sprinkle that over the top. And for germination, you don't stack lemon balm. You actually put it straight under the lights. So they go straight out under the lights. They actually grow sort of like real plants. That's um, lemon balm. And then red vein sorrel, 10 grams of seed. And you put, again... A small amount of soil on top of the seed that you've spread out. And then you can put that straight out under the lights as well. So those are the two that go straight out under the lights. Why? I don't know. But that's how people grow them. Um, Kohlrabi, 12 grams. um, And it takes about... Actually, um, kohlrabi takes about 2-3 to days uh, to germinate. Um, Red Russian kale, 12 grams of seed, again, two to three days to germinate. Um, Broccoli Calabrese, 12 grams. And um, Rape as well, that's 12 grams, because we normally kind of do those together. And they'll take about two to three days to germinate. They're very quick. Um, And then you can sometimes buy like a broccoli mix. I think Johnny's, not Johnny's Seeds, I know there's a company um, that's actually in America. I just can't remember the name of it. Um true, true leaf, or true leaf market, or something like that. But you can buy a broccoli mix. It's the same thing. We can get it in the UK. But again, it's 12 grams and about two to three days um, germination. Now, the only other things to mention is um, purple basil, lemon basil, cinnamon basil, and Thai basil. They're all the same. Five grams of soil, sorry, five grams of seed, and again. It takes three to five days um, for that, really, to uh, to germinate. And what I do with the basil um, is what I do with the other dome varieties, is we dome our basil like this. And how we know they're ready is because they'll be an inch long, or about an inch and a half long. You know, you, you'll sort of weigh it up. Um, how long you want them to be Um, but we normally have them about inch inch and a half and we actually grow them we don't grow them in these um, two inch deep trays we grow them in the one inch deep trays because they don't need a lot of soil um, basil but basil takes forever to grow if you've grown it you'll know Um, that's seeds OK, in this section, uh, we're just going to speak very briefly on growing material for the microgreens. Um, it's a bit of a... I was going to say controversial. It's not controversial. It's just that lots of people have got different ideas on what they use. We uh, actually grow in soil, so we, we grow in a, a, a peat. I was going to say peat base. It's not even peat-based. It is peat. It's just peat. It's a multi-compost, but it's actually... Just peat, as it says on there, 100% Sphagan moss peat. And actually, in Scotland, we do have a lot of um, moss anyway. Um, no recycled materials, you know. And the benefits for us is that, as far as we're concerned, as far as we know, and I, I think this is where the contention comes, um, with the research that we've done anyway, microgreens, they don't actually need um, nutrients in the soil because they're not growing to a plant, they're just growing past the cotyledon. They're actually not even going to the cotyledon, which are the two two um, true leaves. Um, by the time they hit there, you would have already harvested them. So they, they're just growing as shoots. That's why they're micro shoots, microgreens. So they don't need any extra nutrients in the soil. Now, I know that doesn't mean that there are people, because I've seen there are people that grow... Microgreens in proper compost with all these different NPKs and blah blah blah, and that's fine. But um, you know, if your microgreen is in the ground or sorry, growing for like five days, uh, once you've germinated it, it's not really there that long. Um, Anyway, we grow in peat, and um, but a lot of people actually grow in various materials. Various um, these are some samples that we had, sort of these grow felt uh, materials that you can get. Um, So, for example, you know, instead of the the soil or the compost, they'll actually put down a strip of this, you know. It's not reusable. Once you've used it, that's it. It's finished. But, um, you know, these are materials which you can use. Again, these are neutral. They don't have any nutrients in them. Um, So, for example, the white one is actually 80% viscous and 20% polyester. And then... The the other wool one is, um... What is that? Yeah, just wool. Just wool. I mean, that's good material, to be fair. And then the purple one is a mix of all sorts. Acrylic, cotton, wool, viscous, polyester. So it's a a good blend. But these are all meant to be good. In our trials, we, we didn't do this. And the reason why we didn't go with this is, um we found that um, with the chefs that we were um, supplying um, they were already getting microgreens and they were saying that the microgreens that they were getting um, and it comes from one particular supplier they were finding that the product didn't last long uh, number one and also they found that um, the product didn't have the a strong flavor and strong taste And um, we know because uh, we did a bit of research and we found that that particular supplier, they grow on these sort of mediums. They don't grow in soil. Um, And we were finding with ours, we don't know why, but the taste, um, like for example, when we grow basil, you know, you could smell basil at the other side of the room. It's really that strong. And um, we were finding as well that the, the taste is really good. And two, they were lasting more than a week whereas most microgreens were just lasting a couple of days, but ours was lasting, you know, up to two weeks um, in the fridge. And we just put that down to the growing medium, because that's the only thing that's uh, that's different. Uh, plus the Lord, obviously, because without him, you know, none of this is going to work. So um, so we do believe that God is blessed in that way. And so we, we continue to use the peat-based um, growing medium. So peat-based growing medium however you can use these other alternatives some people actually do more of a hydroponic kind of thing but you know experiment and see what works for you this is what worked um for us and um take it from there so that's soil okay so in this section we're going to be talking about trays so it's not a long section to talk about um Growing trays, that is. Now, I know in America and other parts, um, from a lot of research that we've done, people normally grow microgreens in what they call 10-20 flats, 10-20 trays, 10 inches by 20 inches. Um, In the UK, you can get them. They are just very expensive. So we didn't go that particular route. What we did instead was got a tray that was probably about half the size. So I'm just going to show you that now. Um, So these trays, let me show you... I'll show you. um, We decided to get two types of trays for each growing microgreen. We've got, the first one is a tray that's got holes in it, as you can see. Yeah. And then the second tray that goes underneath does not have any holes. And the purpose for that is that the one with the holes, this is what we're going to put our growing medium in and put our seeds on and so when we water the water will be able to drain out through the holes and go into the base tray so that's the reason for that now the other thing that's different what we did with ours is that we decided to get two different thicknesses as you can see so one of them is probably like about an inch And the other one's probably about two inches deep. So that's the depth. Because what we found is that some microgreens, they don't mind having quite a shallow soil. For example, you know, red cabbage, broccoli. Um, To be honest, even um, the radishes, um, they don't mind. Um, Basil. Basil. (laughs) Basil. (laughs) It is basil. (laughs) Yeah, even um, basil, they don't mind the one-inch trays but then if we're doing peas um if we're doing sunflower shoots if we're doing nasturtiums um i don't know maybe because they take a little bit longer in the soil they seem to work better in a deeper depth but again it's up to you to uh you know to do your experiments and see which one will work for you um You know, so just recently, I started doing our radish varieties, China Rose and Rambo. I started doing them in a one-inch depth, and they seem to be fine. So you're just going to have to experiment. So once more, we've got the depth. Now let me just give you very quickly the dimensions, just in case somebody says, Oh, what's the dimensions, Robert? So you're talking about nearly 10 inches, as you can see here, 10 inches by, what are we looking, 15. But again, remember, that's the lip. But then that's the same how you would measure a 10, 20 flat. So we're just going all the way across. So 15, and then 10. So that's our, that's our growing, those are our growing trays. Two different depths, one inch or two inch. And then the other thing is, we use two trays, one with a hole, So that water can drain out and the other one so that water can drain into it. That's the trays. So today this is um, what you've all been waiting for, the actual practical side which is sowing the seeds for the microgreens. So today as I think I mentioned before we're actually going to be doing seeding some china rose radish microgreen seeds and we're going to be doing about 30 35 grams of china rose radish so I'm just doing four trays for today so I'm just going to quickly and I think I mentioned this before um, actually did that Dish, we found that the radish varieties, some varieties, they're a bit forgiving. You don't have to be exactly on the button when it comes to the weight, but some things like basil, for example, you really need to stick to the actual weight itself. So I'm going to do somewhere around there. Yeah, me? Just do a little bit more. Okay, so that's the. That's the seeds done. And then I just stack them here, put them aside so that as soon as I'm ready. So the next thing we're going to do is fill the trays with the soil. Now, I didn't mention this. Uh, Actually, I think I might have. The soil, the growing medium that we use is soil, it's peat. And um, for each tray, we've worked out the average amount of soil that you need for each tray. And it's roughly that much. I think it's like, I'm going to say probably about a litre and a half, something like that. Yeah, it's about that. Uh, or about five and a half cups or whatever. But again, you work this out to So we roughly fill to that line and then... We used to have to do this by guesswork, and obviously it took a little bit longer, and then we were also wasting a lot of soil. Doing it this way, you know exactly that each tray has got the right amount. And then I just even these out. Some people use different methods, either using their hands, I just get the big lumps out. And then just, just shake them a bit, just so that it gets more even. That's about it. But it still looks lumpy. So this is where this device comes in. And you've seen this before. And um, basically I, I made this, it's just out of some odd ends of wood. And the idea was I could use it to press down in the trays. I'm not pressing too hard, but as you can see, enough just to flatten them so that when we put in the seeds, it's got a flat surface. You see? So now that's a nice, even, flat surface. And so what I do now, after I've got that even surface, I then water. Not not too much, as you can see, but I just water, just an even coating, and that's it the first go. So that's our first water. And then we've got the seeds in. And again there's no real technique to this, you know. They say as much as possible just to you know to get it as even as possible. Whatever technique works to do that. To be honest. You know, normally the children get involved in this because this is actually quite easy for them to do. Um, They like doing the seeding. Actually, they like filling the trays and the seeding, to be honest. They'll do all of it. Make me redundant. And the last one. So that's it, nice even spread. Now with radish, you don't need to put another layer of soil. As I was explaining, some of the other seeds you do, um, but these you don't. So now all we need to do is another quick spritz of water, not too much. And that's it. As you can see, this is why we have the flood tray, because before, when we used to do this, when we first started, that would be the floor getting soaking wet. So if you have a flood tray, but if you don't, you can just use smaller trays. That's how we used to do it. Um, We didn't have any of this. So these are watered, these are ready, and the next stage is for these to get ready for germination. So stacking, putting on the shelves, and then ready for germination. Okay, so now that these are all watered, I'm going to stack them so that then they're ready for germination and uh, they'll be put on the shelves on the side. So, again, we're just putting them straight on top of each other, and now these are ready to go onto the germinating shelves. So now these uh, microgreen seeds are ready for stacking and germinating. So it's just a a simple case of um, taking them over to the rack here. Sometimes I have them even higher, it really depends. Only because the room is warmer um, at the top. But um, we place them here. And then what I do is, the top one needs to be covered. So this is where this particular device comes in handy. Again, I use it with an empty blank tray just put it inside and then literally just stack that on top. So that gives a little bit of weight, keeps out the light and makes sure that the uh, seeds get all the right um, pressure that's needed. So for China Rose, they will take about two, three days to um, germinate. Again, it depends on the warmth, as we mentioned before, the temperature that's in your place, as I said, in here, Temperature's gone down, it's 23.7, so that may be more two to three days. Um, But if I can get the temperature up in here, extra lights, then it might be even um, sooner. They do germinate quite quick. And um, once they're germinated, then we will remove these and um, put them under light. But for now, they'll stay stay here, should I say. And um, they're nice and cozy, and they'll get ready to germinate. Okay, so it's been a couple of days since we've uh, put the microgreens and their trays on the actual um, germinating area, which was dark. Um, Sometimes I have the lights on. It doesn't matter. As long as the trays, all of the seed trays are actually covered, that's the main thing. So as you can see at the moment, all of the trays have germinated. This is China Rose, so it's all germinated nicely. Um, To be fair, I could have actually taken these out maybe yesterday um, they would have been ready. Now what I also did was um, I weighted down the top tray with, I'll show you, if I take this off. The top tray was weighted with an empty tray that had a piece of wood weight And the idea of this is obviously just so that it presses down on the other trays and just keeps everything intact so that there's not really much air or, um, not air, sorry, any light getting in there. So that's what we use. Some people use, um, instead of this, which I made, because I use it actually to press the trays, which I showed you already in the video, some people just put soil in here or some people put sand, some people put... Um, cement. But anything that's quite heavy that can weight down the actual microgreen trays as they're germinating that will be really good. As I said, the main thing is to keep everything dark. So, now we've got the trays germinated, I'm going to move them to over here. And um, as you can see i mentioned before all of these trays i mean i could have actually put a little bit more seed on the last tray but um all of these have germinated um you know i as as i said i could have taken them taken the lids off you know maybe yesterday but that's fine um it's not a problem at all and then from here we leave them under the lights as i mentioned before i'm going to talk about um the actual lights that we have and um the brightness, the Kelvin, all of that. I'm going to speak about that later anyway. But we leave them under the lights. And the only other thing that we have to do now um, is water them. Sometimes I actually change them round after a day or two. I just switch them round because obviously they are going to be growing towards the light ever so slightly. So every now and again, I just come in and just switch them around so that they're growing more even but other than that keeping them under the lights and then obviously watering um, that's the only thing that we need to do here just to keep an eye on things with china rose radish is not so bad because you don't have any fungal problems or anything like that so you don't have to spray um, any mold spray or anti-fungal spray you just need to um, water them and and they'll be fine but other varieties which we will talk about in the video um, you would have to like uh, sunflower sunflower shoots for example you do have to use an antifungal spray just when you've uncovered them but I'll show all of that talk about that later on so that's the uncovering and now they're ready to continue growing Okay, so in this section we're going to be talking about lights um, extractor fans and also room temperature for the microgreens so as you probably know one of the main features for um, growing microgreens is having lights. Now, these lights, some people say they're grow lights as a term. They are grow lights. However, grow lights are actually used in, um, I think, hydroponics and other forms of growing where you can actually grow like a lettuce indoors um, using lights, and they have different... um, Uh, color ratios, color schemes. These lights are not grow lights in that respect. If you tried to grow a vegetable under these lights, it wouldn't grow at all. So this light is actually um, classed as uh, daylight. So it's 6,500 Kelvin. And it's 55 watts i don't think the watts actually matter so much but the fact that it's daylight and the fact that it's 6500 kelvin that means everything and then the other thing is they're actual t8s so um these particular ones actually are um led t8s but we've also got the fluorescent ones um somewhere actually on the other side of the room but i'm just over here so we've tried the led and the um and the fluorescent um the fluorescent does give off more heat to your room whereas the leds you get the same light but it's not as warm in here so you know We'll talk about temperature in a, in a little bit. So, I don't know. Pros and cons. Some people say LED. But I think the whole world is going LED anyway. And there probably won't be the, the T8 or T5. Sorry, T8 or T5. Um, fluorescent tubes around much longer. But anyway, um, 6,500 Kelvin and 55 watt. We leave our lights on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, when we're growing um commercially so some people don't some people only have them on for like about 12 hours and then have them off at night um but we don't and it means that uh, i think we get a quicker grow you know germination and then harvest as well versus if you've only got them on for 12 hours um each day so the height as you can see here it's probably about eight inches um between the tray growing tray and the actual lights themselves this is what we decided to go with some people have a growing height of about 12 inches some people have even more but we wanted to maximize the space because we are growing indoors and we wanted to make sure that we could get as much trays Um, because when we're growing commercially because at the moment everything's slowed down because of covid Um, but just prior to COVID, when we were doing more, we were actually in another room, and all of these trays were full. So you've got one, two, three, four, five growing areas, and so we wanted to make sure that we could maximise the height in between each growing area. So at the moment, as I said, there's about probably about eight inches between the tray and the and the light. Um, what else do you need to know about the lights? Let me just see. Just trying to think. Can't remember no that's about it actually yeah so lights are important led or fluorescent doesn't make a difference also you just need to bear in mind whether you have them on for 12 hours or 24 hours um again this is all entirely up to you um all right let's move on to the next one which is extractor fans now when we first started growing we didn't have an extractor fan but very, very quickly, we realized that we didn't need an extractor fan. Why? Because we would have the door closed. It was actually our dining room. We would have the door closed. And um, whenever someone left the the growing room or microgreen room door open, you would get this smell of uh, it's growing inside your house. It just really does smell a lot. And so we, we realized that that's probably not a good thing to have. Um, and so and not just that but also a lot of research um, that we were doing it was uh, leading to the fact that if you're growing indoors you do need the air to be taken out, recycled and taken out of your growing room and fresh air coming in so the extractor fan does that so this is our extractor fan here it's not plugged in at the moment because even though we're still growing the numbers of trays that we're doing it's not as high as it used to be so I can actually let me bring this out so that you can see it So this is the extractor fan here that, uh that we got we bought this off of eBay. I Believe it was about 70 pounds again, you can just do the conversions and uh, Look around and see in your area how much that might be but for us it was 70 pounds, which is quite good and what I did was I overcalculated how much uh, what the volume rate was so this far exceeds the room that we actually have but that's fine I would rather that it's overcompensating and it could actually you know this could probably do like a whole downstairs and it would be fine to um, have this on but we're just using it in one room so um yeah, but this, we have this um, plugged on. Normally we don't, it, it comes with a sensor. I don't I don't use the sensor. So as you can see on the dials, I just have it on. So it's just on all the time. So again, we have this on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We don't turn it off. So I, I don't see the need of having the sensor. However, it does have a sensor. You can set it to a certain temperature. When it gets to a certain temperature, you could have it so that the extractor fan will kick on. So let's say it gets to 28 degrees, then the extractor fan will kick on, and obviously, you know, hot air will come out, fresh air will come in. But I don't have it like that. I just have it running all the time. And I have it on maximum fan, roughly, there or thereabouts. So the other the other part of um, what's used for the extractor fan is... This, I think, I think this actually came with it. I can't remember if it did. Um, I think it did. But anyway, one end goes to the extractor fan, and then the other end, obviously, it goes out straight outside. And normally we just have an open window, and it goes straight out of the window. And obviously what's going to happen is it's going to... It's just a hose, an extractor hose. I think it came with it. It's, they're probably the same as what you probably use for um, tumble dryers. Something like that, but this one is a uh, plastic with a with a a steel inside steel sort of string. But you could just get a complete metal one. I think that's what they have in America and places like that. Um, but um, yeah, and that just makes sure that uh, all of your stale air is being taken out, and then everything is being recycled all the time. Now, extractor fan. You, you saw there was a, a setting there for the temperature. The temperature for your growing room for the microgreens, as far as we've uh, found out in our research, should be somewhere around 25, 24 degrees. That's Celsius. Um, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but that's Celsius. So, And um, the humidity of your room should be, I mean, this is really low, this is only 23%, it should be about 40%, you know? That, these are these are rough averages, because the types of things that we're growing, you know, radish, you know, they don't really need sort of too hot. Some, some seeds actually do need the temperature a little bit more. But if you're around, we've found anyway, just with our little trials and tests, and this is the thing, when you're growing microgreens, they're very forgiving, so... You know, if you don't have 24 degrees, you have 28, it's fine. The The, the microgreens aren't going to uh, collapse, but um, you just trial and error to find where your optimal um, growing temperature is. For us, with the humidity that we have, which is, as I said, about 40% is kind of good, um, 24 degrees is really good. Now, when our, when our... Um, humidity goes up, let's say it goes 60-70%, which we've had before. We've had it really, really high um, when we didn't have this, which I'm about to show you. So when it goes really, really high, actually, no, not when it goes high. Ever since it started going high, what we use is a dehumidifier. Nothing new. You've probably seen them before. So, you know, the idea is we have this on, and we actually have it on so that again, we just leave our, our, this equipment, we just leave these on 24 hours a day. We don't turn them on or off. And what we do is, it's not connected at the moment, but we normally have this pipe. It comes out the back of the dehumidifier and we have it going automatically into a, sort of like a bucket, it's a bit bigger than that. Um, I don't have it here, it's in the other room. Um, and so what it means is that we can uh, once a week, with it's collected enough water that it's it's right at the top, and then we need to take that out and um, throw that away, and then go again. So the dehumidifier is just constantly taking uh, water out of the air It's amazing how much water actually comes here, but when you think about it, it would be, because not only are the microgreens, they're living organisms, they're living plants, so not only are they growing, but at the same time, as as you'll see in uh, one of the other videos, um, we're constantly watering them as well. So there is a lot of water that's accumulating in the room, and if you don't get that out, then that can lead to fungal growth and mold and things like that on your microgreens, which you do not want. Um, and then, you know, you have to spray them, and which is not a problem. But to ease all of that, the easiest thing is to have the dehumidifier. So dehumidifier we have running 24 hours a day. We don't turn it off. And we have a pipe uh, which lets the water out into a bigger plastic tub. And we, um, we get rid of the water once a week. So that's the dehumidifier. The room temperature is about 24 degrees centigrade and the humidity we need to keep at about 40. But again, depending on where you are, you may be able to get away with a lot higher or a lot lower. All depends. And then the other thing is we have the extractor fan and we have that running 24 hours a day. As I said before, straight out to the window or something like that. And um, we have fresh air coming in. The last thing is the lights, and the lights that we use, they are the T8s. You can get T5s, T5s, T8s, um, just the length, the size of the the tube. And we've used both. We have both the fluorescent and the um, the fluorescent and the LED. And these are 6,500 Kelvin, and it's 55 watt. They're not officially grow lights but obviously they grow the microgreens but they don't need to be grow lights in that sense because the microgreens they're just reaching up for light and then you know we're going to be harvesting before the cotyledon stage so we don't need the microgreen to turn into a vegetable or anything like that we just need it to grow up a little bit more so that's the lights so i'm hoping hoping that um, that information you found Uh, useful and interesting and I will see you in the next section okay in this section we're just going to talk about the uh, growing times specific to each microgreen seed now actually we're not going to talk about it what I'm going to do is signpost you to a PDF that um, you should have by now not sure if you've downloaded it already and on that we'll have each seed variety that we grow and the specific uh, germinating times and also once they've germinated because I did mention some of the germinating times anyway but at least on the PDF as you can see you've got the germinating time and then also once they're under light the growing time it varies dramatically from just a couple of days to about six weeks so that information is very very critical especially if maybe you're only going to grow you know, pea and cabbage and some other thing, then at least you can know this. Let me just also add in there as much as it is a, a reflection of what we do and what we've found, um, definitely just trial and error. You know, as you grow, then you see, as I mentioned before, um, your environment might be slightly warmer, might be slightly cooler, might be less humidity, more, and so these things are going to change. So this. PDF is just to give you a, um, a rough guide to the growing times for microgreens. Okay, so in this section we're talking about watering, watering your microgreens. Now, if you remember, when we actually seeded them, we did put twice a, le- a small amount of water, just a little shower of water but that's all dried out now since germination and since we've actually put them under the lights. They dry out quite quickly. So, you know, um, what I do is just take a look. This is where we have the second tray and you can just sort of see, I don't know if you can see, there's a little bit of water inside there, but for example, you can see the roots, uh, the roots coming out there, Um, still quite wet. For example, this one, a little bit drier, you know. So I'll, I'll probably give, actually, both of these, just a little bit more uh, water. So it's just a case of um, checking every day or every other day and seeing which varieties have sapped up all their water. Now, for example, China ro- the radishes, China Rose and um, Rambo Radish, they drink a lot of water. Pea shoots, sunflower shoots, um... They drink a lot of water. Some things don't. So, for example, basil, that doesn't drink a lot of water at all. If you put water there, it will probably be there, you know, the following week. It's, um, it just drinks very, very slowly. And also, things like uh, lemon balm, uh, red vein sorrel, uh, red mustard frills, they don't really drink a lot of water. But each day you come, take a look, and just see. Now, obviously, um, when we are in full commercial production, which we're not at the moment... ...but when we are in full commercial production... Um, ...you can't do things by hand, which is what I'm going to do now. We actually would use the spray hose because it's a lot quicker. But when we first started, this is how we used to do it. And even though we were grown commercially, we didn't have a spray hose. So this is just to show you, you know, you just use what you have. And we used to have a jug, just a little bit bigger than this, and water. And I would have to keep going to the kitchen back and forth, back and forth, water dripping all over the place. Um, but it's part of the joys of, um, of growing. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I've looked at these and I've seen that probably I can give a little bit more water on here. So I'm just gonna, this is called bottom watering, by the way. So lift up, a little bit of water, and then we just put it straight back down. And I'll do the same over here little bit of water not too much you know because obviously if you put too much when you close it it's going to just spill down to the next row which we've had that before and you learn by experience that you don't really want that to happen you want the other things to be as dry as possible on top having said that some people don't bottom water some people actually water from the top if you've got a hose you can just water on the top and they'll all sort of the microgreens will come down to the ground ground they will sort of fall over, but they will come back again. And the reason for that is that... Um, you know, they do look like they're sort of dead. But, uh, but they do just come back. So, I'm not sure why people actually top water. We did for a while. And um, it was just a lot of mess. Water all over the place. Water on the floor, water all over the place. But we didn't mind. But as we were learning, we were like, okay... Uh, We'll continue to um, see if we can find a better way and that better way was using the trays at the bottom Putting the water inside that tray and then when you close that No water spilling either way, so that's bottom watering which as I said really you know every other day something like that but just keep an eye on the different varieties of microgreens and um, as you can see that they need watering if they're slightly trying to fall over then just top up water again so that's watering microgreens okay so in this part of the microgreen growing this is the exciting part this is harvesting time yeah so um, very simple We have a tray here that we want to harvest. It's all ready. Um, To be fair, I could have let this grow another day or two. Um, You know. But it's still harvestable quality, so it's not going to be a problem. But that's just me. I like them to grow a little bit more fuller. So um, for our customers, we grow these to put in a container that's... um, will hold 30 grams, that's this here, 30 grams, this container. I think this container can take up to about 50, but we put 30 grams of microgreens inside here. It's Just a clamshell, very simple, and then we have a nice label, which I'll show you shortly. Okay. Uh, we, do have a, we do have another um, container that is for 100 grams, um, for peas things like that. Actually, we do do pea shoots we put in there. And we also, um, in the bigger containers, we put nasturtiums as well. Um, And mustard frills, red mustard frills. But anyway. So, we're going to zero that. He says. Yeah. Okay. And then we're just going to scissors. And I'm doing this the old-fashioned way. Now, when we're doing you know, lots of trays, then I actually use a a handheld um, device. I should have just had it here. But um, this is just easy if you're just doing three or four trays. It's not going to be a problem. 30 grams right there 30 31 I always make sure that it's at least 30 or over now some microgreen growers they when they cut they put it into another basin and then they actually dry the microgreens with a fan we used to do that Um, but what we were finding was that the quality would go um and I think it was just actually by a mistake all of a sudden we realized oh The quality was a lot better if we didn't um, do the whole fanning and all that sort of stuff. So we just make sure that they're put in a uniformed way so that we have the stems facing one way and the heads facing the next way. I don't know if you can see that. Again, so that you can see just grabbing quite a bit all the way down to the bottom if there's anything that doesn't look too cycly, uh, 31 again and uh, and again as you can see stems down one end and the actual Leaf structure, all all on the other end. This will be the. Uh, take from here, as you can see. A little bit more, more another ten grams. Just a little touch. 32, so that's fine. As I said, I always try and make sure that we've got at least 30, sometimes 31, 32. That's not a problem, but as long as we've got extra. And that's how they are. Yeah, and as I was saying, this is the other cutting device that I would use. If we're doing you know, lots of commercial, lots of trays, it just saves so much time. Um, it's something that I thought about. And then um, I saw uh, an, another person, another grower on YouTube using the same thing. And I thought, well, if he can use it, then so can we. <laughs> and it's a game changer, seriously. Um, Black & Decker, rechargeable battery, you know, all day long. And literally, I'm not going to do it now, but literally, you know, and you would just cut along. And I would just hold the tray up like this and just cut along.
1: Or you can use the quick cut harvester.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which we will do. Which is much better, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, again, just moving on quickly. So, the last thing that we do after we've harvested is just put on our labels and that's it that's the harvesting from here obviously once we've had the labels in then we'll just be packing them in boxes or if it's the night before we'll then put them in the fridge in the refrigerator uh, out in the garage just to keep them nice and cool and then um, straight out to the customers so really that's your um, the microgreen growing process from day one seeding all the way through to, um, to harvesting. And You'll never guess what, that is the end of the microgreen 101 um, session. Okay, so um, I hope, um, as I said, we're, we're hoping that you found that of use. And um, I think now we've got a few minutes, we can just dive right in if anybody's got any questions. Um, now's the time, and um, God willing, we'll see if we can um, share. Hi, this is uh, Raul again from Texas. Just following up on the question I asked earlier, I know we had uh, technical troubles. Uh, You answered the why microgreens, and praise the Lord for the way he's led you. Uh, Very much enjoyed the microgreens 101 session as well. We took furious notes. Thank you so much for that valuable information. Uh, I wanted to add uh, one more question to the revenue question I asked before, is kind of a two-part question. Do you guys recycle the peat moss after you've harvested the microgreens? And if any of your customers ever requested that you include that so that they can cut it themselves in the package once they've received the shipment. Yeah, that's a very, very good question. And um, let me just um, answer the second half very quickly, uh, Raul, what you asked in terms of um, revenues. So, uh, at, at our peak, just for microgreens, we were doing about 2,500 pounds of uh, microgreens a month
1: but that that was not long after we actually started it was just a few months in yeah and we hadn't even really I mean we, we say that we were selling into seven different towns but um, we hadn't really even touched these towns this was just through recommendations we hadn't done any formal going around yeah. can you hear us okay
0: yeah, you're good. Oh, right.
1: Okay. Any, for, any formal going around and actually, you know, we hadn't even touched Edinburgh, really.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot of potential. There, there was a
1: lot more potential. And, and um, to answer your question from earlier, um, the rack that you can see in the video, um, at the room that we were using had the equivalent of six of those racks. So the wooden frame with the lights and everything on. And so if those, if those were filled completely and you've got six of them, we worked out that that particular room would give us about £5,000 per month in revenue. Mm.
0: That said, it's full. And then the other, to answer your question on um, with the peat, we don't recycle. Um, what we found is that um, once you've used the product once, that's really it. Because, you know, there's seeds and roots that are involved and this that the other but but what we do do is we put it all on our cost pile Mm -hmm. and then the other um question was to do with uh if you can give that as a package item to the chefs we had looked into that but um, it was just down to um, demand we were prepared to do it we only had one chef that was looking at um, us growing the microgreens and having them so that he could harvest and he would have the peat and the tray and yeah. everything.
1: The problem with the introducing peat into a restaurant is that here the health and safety department wouldn't really allow for that mm. and so um, I was actually doing the growing for that particular um, re- that particular chef and um, he requested that it grow in a completely different medium and mm. we used. Um, what's that stuff called?
0: That white uh, stuff? Uh, coconut. Yeah. Co- oh no, 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 it was it um, it vermiculite.
1: Was, yeah, we actually grew it in vermiculite, and um, vermiculite could be allowed in the restaurant, but they couldn't have dirt in the restaurant. Strange. Yeah.
0: So. Hope that answers your question, Raul. Yeah, thank you very much. I have a few more, but I'm going to email you directly to be respectful of those behind me. Uh, God bless okay. you both, okay. and God bless you both. And thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate it. Thank no you, problem. Raul. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Gerald, and I'm from Texas, and uh, I was just curious on your, when you said you you grow wheatgrass, do you grow that in two-inch deep trays or one-inch deep trays, and how much uh, does one tray of wheatgrass yield in ounces?
1: Now, sadly, we're not going to be able to answer that question in full for you. I assume you've been on our website and you've seen that it says wheatgrass coming soon. Oh, we, haven't okay. actually it, we haven't put it to seed yet. Okay. It's a new line that's going to be going along with our raw juicing. And um, yeah, so. Okay, thank you. But, you, you watch, know.
0: Watch this space. And as soon as we've done our trials and got the information, then we'll be sure to um, share it with, um, with you guys at, at Agra.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you follow us, I don't know if you have Instagram, or if, if you can email us or something, and as soon as we've got the information, which will be in the next couple of weeks, then we, we'll be sure to share that information with you. Okay, thank you.
0: Hi, thank you so much. My name is Julie, and I'm also from Texas. And because there's so much sunshine in Texas, Um, Have you had any experience or do you think it would work outdoor without the lights? Have you ever? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a very good question. And um, we did, we did a trial. We did, the trials that we did, they were both indoors and outdoors. And we grew um, in our tunnel, in our our caterpillar tunnel. And yeah, it worked fine in the middle of the season Mm -hmm. um, when we had full sun, um, as a matter of fact, they grew, um, they grew quicker, mm-hmm. and the yields, because what we were looking at was the yields, you were getting way more yields. Mm. The the microgreens were actually slightly bigger as well. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: So, so, yeah, that would work fine in, in somewhere like Texas or somewhere that has full sun. Absolutely. Okay, good. Thank you. Hi there. My name is Davey. I'm from Austin, Texas, and my question was, is watering a laborious process when you have a large amount of commercial uh, commercial goods, and if so, could that be mitig- would it be worth it to do a hydroponic system to make to automate it and make it go quicker and if so, uh, what would yeah. you recommend? Yeah, again, that's a very, very good question. And it is very, it yeah, you? very labor consuming. Um, as I said, I used to do it by hand as in with a jug and that would take hours. Um, and um, then we uh, started using a hose and even then that would still take, that would take, it, that would take best, yeah, but I, I, would, I could hour? get it down, no, probably about an hour to do the whole room. Um, but even so, we, we were actually looking at any sort of automated way of doing it as yet we haven't found a proper automated way because the the problem that you have is that you still have to keep checking your microgreens every day because some plants even the a, a tray next to each other one can take pick up all the water and need watering and the tray next to it has still got water so yeah i i, I don't know of any fully um automated um system that would work but I uh, uh, yeah it would be handy. All right. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate your time.
1: Hello. I have a question. Um, With the uncertainty that we're living in with restaurants, I remember you mentioned that's one of your biggest revenues. Um, What is the future like for microgreens, from your perspective, in terms of, you know, for some of us that are trying, perhaps we would like to go into this type of business, but then again, with the opening and closing of restaurants, it's very unknown. How do you feel about this? And what is your advice for someone yeah. like us that would like to start the business?
0: Yeah, but yeah again, yeah, very good question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing is, first and foremost, is that um, the way that we look at things is that this is the Lord's business, um, number one and that he will always make a way, mm. and he sees the future, and so he knows what exactly we need, and yesterday it may have been um, restaurants, and tomorrow it could be a market stream that we've never even thought of, um, but as long as we're doing what God is asking us to do, then he will figure out all of the ins and outs, and just to just to share with you, the day that we... Um, that um, covid hit and we went into a national lockdown we we realized that all of our revenue all of our revenue disappeared overnight and we had no revenue to look to and so we said that we would just close down the microgreens we would just turn off all the lights and as a matter of fact that's what we did um and we just got on our knees and prayed and to cut a, a long testimony short um within the same week god provided another revenue stream um, where we had even more customers than what we had before. So what I'm just trying to say is that we, we can only mitigate for certain things. But as long as, you know, as long as we're doing what God is asking us to do, then he, he will make a way. Obviously, we've got to do our due diligence. We've got to check things out, see what the market's like, mm-hmm. do research in your area, see what the competitors are like, if there are any competitors, do your pricing and, and work things out. But at the end of the day, you need to leave it all in God's hands.
1: Um, the other thing is that your context could be different. For us, because we are the UK, and where we're based in the UK is Aberdeen. Now, if we were in London, mm. chances are we'd have a huge consumer interest mm. because you find that down south and in the cities, folks are a little bit more sort of ahead of the game um, in terms of seeing it as a superfood. Um, but in Aberdeen, it's not really caught on as much. Um, So that's why our revenue comes from restaurants and chefs. But where you are could be a completely different um, situation, and folks Mm. may know about uh, microgreens. Mm. And if that's the case, then you have a market that you can go straight into.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so we hope that helps. Thank you. Hey, it's Caleb here. So I was wondering when you're
1: harvesting, so you harvest with scissors and put them directly into containers. You're saying when you do more, you harvest with the shears? So then, would you put it into a main container and then put them, handle them a couple more times, and put them in smaller containers, or how? Is that? What yeah, you do, that's or? correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. and okay.
0: and what would happen, Caleb, is that um, when we're using the um, the shears, yeah, the, the mechanical shears, obviously, um, if you've used those, the microgreens do get dishevelled. They get you know knocked around a bit more so you can't now
1: put them in one way you can't have
0: them in one way Mm -hmm. um but at least you could get you could get past the hurdle of having to dry them because as I said um for a good nearly a year we were drying them all the time and that was quite Mm -hmm. a long process it was long (laughs) but for months now we haven't been drying them at all we don't dry them at all we just harvest with the scissors put them straight in and we're good to go.
1: Yeah, but as soon as you've got them all mixed up in a, in, a, in some kind of bowl, then you, prob- you will need to dry them a little.
0: Yeah, just, just a bit, and then because get them into the... that moisture
1: the, in the package is going to affect its shelf life.
0: Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh,
1: but there was another thing that we were looking at, um, and that's by... You get these like, little moisture... Uh, strips. strips that you can put in the in the bottom of the containers. We were looking into it, but we haven't actually used them yet. Yeah. Whereas, you know, then you could put them in with a little bit more moisture on them. And they should be fine. And it should just kind of absorb that moisture, and that should extend the shelf life. But in the U.S., you may be able to find a company that can supply something like that for you.
0: Yeah. Thank you.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm from Indiana. Uh, I had a question about. Uh, reusing the seeds uh, are you able to use the seeds a second time so to speak uh, once you cut the um, the plants themselves and then are they able to grow back so you can uh, harvest them again or, or no
0: the yield yeah that's a good question um, what we've found is mm. no, no. We, but that's us I mean it, it may work but we found that you know, with the varieties that we grow that once we've cut them the once, that's really it. Um there isn't any um I think red regrowth.
1: vein sorrel or lemon balm used to be quite good like
0: that. Yeah, that's sorry, yeah, actually yeah. yeah. Lemon, lemon, balm lemon balm was the only one that looked like it Scott could red, regrow.
1: And red vein sorrel. Yeah,
0: a little bit. But again, but with the red vein sorrel, the yields were.
1: Yeah, you find that the yields will be so low yeah. that it's taking up way too much real estate in your room.
0: Because it's it... going to take a long time to grow anyway. It's not, yeah. you know, uh, not red vein sorrel, yeah, it takes the best part of a month to grow. Yeah. So um, the majority of the seeds that we grow, you're not going to get the um, repeat not... growth yields. to harvest again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you.
1: This media was brought to you by Audioverse